0: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Points and Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods. And give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh. With me are my co-hosts, Peter and Kevin. Jess is away today, but that's all right. So, Kevin, what are you drinking tonight?
1: Uh, what I'm having today, guys, is I'm having a uh, Cameron's Hazy IPA. It's a strong beer. And I believe this one is a 6.3%. Yeah, it's a hazy IPA, which I'm probably going to be like by the time this episode's done. (laughs) So with stats being said, Pedro, what are you drinking? Thanks, Kev.
2: I'm drinking Innis and Gunn lager beer. It's brewed with naked golden oats, apparently. It's a 4.6% and it's crafted in Scotland. So I figured I'd be true to my Scottish roots. And I give it a try. It's pretty good so far. We'll see how it goes uh as the night goes on. Not too strong. Take it easy this week. After a big week last week. Hey, I brought I brought the fucking intensity last week, okay? Need a break. Josh, what are you drinking?
0: All right. I have a Lake of Bays brewing. Uh don't look down. Double IPA with elderberry. It's uh Strong beer blows both of you guys out of the water with a whopping eight percent. Wow. But yeah.
2: you look down to read that, so it doesn't count.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I had to know off the top of my head that it was I eight mean, percent. That's yeah. just what the can says. I don't know. Huh. I don't know what to say. Well well, it says that this brew is a serious adrenaline rush, so hey hey, I'll I'll let you know if I get a massive adrenaline rush or not, but so far, so good. It's pretty tasty. You know, as usual, the first uh, first sip was like, damn! After, <laughs> you have the, after you have a couple, it uh, settles down a little bit. And, and it's drinkable. So we had a massive, massive week in baseball. Petey's going to start us off by telling us all about it. Yeah,
2: our World Series is set. It will be the Astros at the Braves. And uh, let's go through quickly how we got there. So starting with the ALCS, Game Three is where we left off uh, last episode. Uh, so the Red Sox won Game Three, 12 to three, which brought Boston's lead to two to one in the series. Schwerber hit a record-setting grand slam at the ISIS game, and which is the Red Sox being the only team in MLB history to hit three grand slams in a single postseason series. Which is wild,
0: yeah. Like Pete, you and I were we were at your place. We were going to the Leaf game there last last Saturday, and we were out. We knew about the first Grand Slam, and then we went on onto your balcony, and then we come back in, and there's another fucking Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then another, another one, one the next day.
0: Yeah, another day, another one. So that's pretty next. crazy. Uh, next game, whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty wild. I I thought uh, taking that lead two one and. Their offense was clicking. I thought for sure that was it for uh, for the Astros.
2: Yeah, I, uh you're not alone in that thought. And with the rest the Red Sox offense clicking like they were, but all of a sudden they seemed to dry up after that. We go into Game Four. The Astros win that game nine to two uh, to bring the series tied to two two. Uh, they were six outs from falling behind three to one. Uh, in the ALCS, facing elimination in uh, Game 5 in Boston, where the Red Sox had yet to lose this postseason, but the Astros' offense decided to wake up late in that game. Uh, So after tying the game on Jose Altuve's solo homer, the Astros beat up on the Boston bullpen for seven runs in the ninth, to win 9-2, and even up the best-of-seven series two games apiece. Uh, so yeah, this game looks really lopsided when you just look at the score, nine to two, but it was close right into that final inning. Yep. Uh, game five, uh, the swing game. The Astros win nine to one. Uh, that brings their lead to three to two in the series. So after losing his perfect game in the fifth inning, Framber Valdez bounced the next pitch off a batter's leg. Uh, Instead of pulling Valdez, manager Dusty Baker visited the mound and gave Valdez the confidence he needed to continue and play well. And he was perfect through four. The Houston lefty took a two hit shutout into the seventh, became the first pitcher this postseason to complete eight innings. Jordan Alvarez had three hits and three ribbies for Houston, which could clinch a second trip to the World Series in three years with one more win after that. Brings us to Game Six, which the Astros win five to nothing, and so Houston wins the ALCS and move on to the World Series. Luis Garcia picked a good time to have the best game of his young career. After lasting just one inning in Game Two of the ALCS, the Astros starter was dominant in Game Six against the Red Sox, going five and two thirds innings and giving up just one hit while striking out seven. Houston went on to down Boston uh, five to nothing. Like I mentioned, to advance to the World Series, Garcia wasn't the only one who came up clutch for the Astros. Uh, DH Jordan Alvarez went four for four with two doubles, a single, a triple, and an RBI to continue his torrid day. he also had a run scored on a on heads up base running. Alvarez was named the ALCS MVP for his efforts, which included going 12 for 23 in the series and nine for his last 12 at the dish. So Alvarez has the highest single postseason batting average in ALCS history at 522. Uh, Passes Kevin Euclid at 500 even in 2007. Alcides Escobar, 478 in 2015, and Jose Altuve in uh, last year in
0: 2020 with a 462. Yeah, he was uh, Alvarez, was pretty fucking good in the last half of that ALCS and uh, definitely well deserving to get that MVP uh, trophy.
2: For sure. We'll see if he can keep it up in the, uh, in the World Series. They're going to need him. Yep. So over to who they'll be playing, Uh, the NLCS. So game two, the Braves win five to four, which gives Atlanta the two-nothing lead in the series. Eddie Rosario delivered Atlanta's second straight walk-off hit in the ninth inning, giving the Braves a 5-4 victory over the Dodgers and a commanding two-nothing lead. Rosario's fourth hit of the game was a two-out single off shortstop Corey Seager's glove. After the Braves twice rallied from two-run deficits, in Game Three, the Dodgers uh, finally strike. They win six to five, bringing Atlanta's lead to two to one. Cody Bellinger hit a tying three-run homer, and Mookie Betts then lined an RBI double in the Dodgers' eighth-inning rally, storming back to beat Atlanta six to five. Game Four, the Braves win nine to two. Lando leads the series 3-1. Rosario homered twice in his second four-hit game of the NLCS. And six Atlanta pitchers combined on a four-hitter, giving the Braves a 9-2 victory and 3-1 lead in the best of seven. Adam Duval and Freddie Freeman also homered for the Braves to end their 10-game skid at Dodger Stadium. Brings us to game five. Dodgers win 11-2. Atlanta's lead to 3-2. to Chris Taylor hit three home runs, got the hat trick in this game and drove in six runs joining the likes of Reggie Jackson and Babe Ruth in October history. A.J. Pollock had two home runs and four RBIs for the Dodgers. Won seven straight elimination games dating back to last season at this point.
0: Seems like there's always a Chris Taylor game when the when the uh, Dodgers are in a playoff series there's always one game that he kind of just takes over and wins uh, all by him, all by his lonesome here and this was it and i mean some momentum went back the Dodgers way but uh, you know evidently the uh, the Braves were able to hold on so but yeah hitting 3 home runs in a playoff game to join those guys Reggie Jackson Babe Ruth and others that's uh, Pretty good company there. I would, uh, I'd love to have my name etched in beside those guys. Yeah. you and me both.
2: <laughs> and I don't think it's gonna happen for us, so buddy.
0: No, it might be a little past my prime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so, game six, the Braves win four to two, and win the series four to two as well. Eddie Rosario capped off a remarkable NLCS with a three run homer sending the Braves to the world series. This will be the first time since 1999 that the Braves have been part of the world series. Uh, the Braves were series regulars in the nineties, winning it all in 95 with a team that included hall of famers, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavine, John Smoltz, and Chipper Jones. And so the Dodgers looked like they had a chance to, uh, Get back in this game in the top of the seventh. I think they had two men on with no outs, but uh, she couldn't get couldn't get the the bats to wake up and drive in those runs. They got three straight strikeouts and uh, couldn't get it done.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a great series overall, just kind of back and forth type thing. And yeah, I was on the edge of my seat for most of this series. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching it, and hopefully the uh, good good games can uh, can continue here in the World Series. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So that World Series starts on Tuesday in Houston. Uh, and just one little tidbit here: the most home runs in postseason history. The top four on that list. Uh, three of the top four are well over 100 games played in the postseason. And one is not. So number one is Manny Ramirez, 29 home runs in 111 games. Number two is Bernie Williams, 22 home runs in 121 games. Number three is Jose Altuve with 21 home runs in only 71 games. And number four is Derek Jeter with 20 home runs in 158 games.
0: This is crazy. It's nuts.
2: Yeah. So Jose Altuve is an absolute monster in the postseason. And if he continues to play this way and continues to uh, go deep in postseasons, it's a uh, good chance he'll be number one on that list as long as he doesn't
0: age out of his prime too quick. I mean, he could do it. I mean, it's probably not going to happen this year, but he could easily do this by next year assuming they make the playoffs next year, like, you know, maybe he hits one or two more this year, maybe even more, but I'll say he hits two that puts him right away, puts him into second place with only a maximum of 78 games. Right. So this is a, uh, this is quite the feat here. And he's already the, he already has the most home runs in postseason history by an infielder. Next being cheater. With, he's got one less, but twice as many games. Yeah. Now, obviously, Jeter wasn't a home run hitter, but still, when I saw this uh, this stat, it kind of it kind of blew me away because I couldn't believe that he's got that many in so few games. Now, of course, you're gonna have the haters out there and say, that, you know, it's because <laughs> he was cheating. It's the asterisk. <laughs> it's the cheating thing, you know. Oh shit, he was banging the, the trash can, so we know he's gonna hit a home run. This is gonna be a fastball, but. No matter what, whether he knew that the pitch was coming or not or what pitch was coming, he still had to hit the fucking thing out of the ballpark. So.
2: And so I'm pretty sure it's it's on record that of that whole team, Jose Altuve was the one guy that didn't want to know what pitch was coming. I'm pretty sure I've heard that, that he didn't want to he didn't want to get the, the scoop. I think he was was also
0: wearing a buzzer at one point. Yeah, he had a buzzer in his jersey. That's what they said. I guess he hit a home run or he he scored like a winning run or whatever. And And They they, tried to
1: rip his jersey off.
0: Yeah, they wanted to rip his jersey off, but he kept holding it on because apparently he had this buzzer on (laughs) that would tell him when it was going to be a fastball. So then he ran back down into the clubhouse, ripped off his jersey and his fucking buzzer and then came out and partied again and everything would have been fine because nobody sees the buzzer. So (laughs) I don't know how true that is. You know, you never actually see the buzzer. He just—he's holding his shirt down. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe he's got man tips that he's not proud of, or something. And, <laughs> and, and know maybe maybe he see. hasn't manscaped in a few months. And yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <So. laughs> Either way, this is quite the feat, and uh, I would imagine he takes over the number one spot. I'm going to say next year.
2: Hot take, if you want it. Hot take.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't think he does it next year. I think he might do it, but not next year. You don't think? No, seven more home runs in the postseason is still a lot. He's, he's, he's only at 21.
0: Yeah, but he's got seven more games maximum this this season. Yeah. So I'm saying two. That puts him down to needing five more, right? Yeah, I don't think he'll get two this year. Okay, we'll see.
2: Maybe. I think he'll get there. I just don't think it's next year. Fair enough. So last bit to close out the MLB is an update on our bracket challenge. So the stupid Dodgers were supposed to win and beat the Braves for Peter to have a chance to to continue and have a hope at first place. Didn't happen. So now Kevin and Jesse are tied for first place with four points each. But Kevin has the possibility of one extra point. I believe if the Braves win. Yeah. Yeah. So the Braves need to win the World Series. Kevin will get that extra point and win first place solo. If they lose, then Kevin and Jesse will be tied for first place.
1: And if they also win too, though. Jesse took it as regards to the beginning of the year. Yeah.
2: For yeah.
0: Preseason or whatever. So, yeah. So Jesse's got to be very
2: conflicted here. He's either cheering for the Braves to win so he can get his early season prediction right or cheering for the Braves to lose so that he'll tie for first place in the bracket challenge, which is, I guess, a good place to be. He's hedged his bets perfectly here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't do too shabby. But Kev, yeah, you're, uh, you're looking like you might come out on top of this. Although, if I had to pick a, a World Series winner, I'm going uh, I'm going Astros.
0: The Astros? Come on. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I... I mean, I think they're both evenly matched. Although maybe, maybe you know, Houston had the better record over the year. Um, but I think that uh, Atlanta is. I mean, not that Houston's not playing great right now either. But um, I'm. I don't know who's going to win this. I, I'll leave it up in the air. But I'm going to be cheer for the Braves. I like Freddie Freeman. I think he's uh, he's a great ball player. He's uh, his parents are one of them at least is Canadian. Uh, you've got the Canadian connection with uh, uh, Anthopolis who is like their president or general, maybe not general manager, but some of them with baseball operations or whatever. So there's some uh, Canadian connection there. So that's my reasoning for uh, for cheering for the break. So that's what I'm going with. Plus the fucking AL fucked me over in the bracket challenge. So, so fuck them.
2: I mean, let's be honest. The whole league fucked you over in the bracket challenge.
0: Except for the Dodgers. I got through the fucking wild card. <laughs> 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 One point.
2: Yeah, so just to close that out, Kevin and Jesse, uh, so they're either tied for first or first and second. Me and Josh are bringing up the rear. I've got three points, no more possible. And Josh got his lowly one point off the wild card game in the NL. And that's our brackets. So, Josh, our fates are set. It's just uh, how much Kevin and Jesse are going to get.
0: Yep. Either way, I know I'm fucking getting a minus one. So yeah.
2: <laughs> Although I guess Kev, your fate is set too. You got two points. Yeah. It's just a matter of You'll at least get two points. Uh, not
0: necessarily. If they tie, get... I think we're giving them one
2: each. Or did we say it's one each? That's.
0: I think so. Yeah. I like that better. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: anyway, that closes out the MLB for the week. It's a big week coming up as we'll be in deep in the World Series. Uh, why don't we go through what's going on in the NFL, Josh?
0: All right. So I'm going to run through this because uh, Jesse is away. So Sunday night football uh, from the previous week. Uh, TJ Watt forces a fumble in overtime, and the Steelers edge the Seahawks 23 20. Watt sack Seattle quarterback. Our backup quarterback who's, I guess, a starter now. Gino Smith in the winning minutes of the overtime on Sunday night. And teammate Devin Bush pounced on the loose ball to set up Chris Boswell's game-winning 36-yard field goal. Although Chris Boswell kicked it, Kev, uh, guess who got the win? Big Ben Roethlisberger. Whatever, man. He didn't kick the fucking <laughs> field goal. <laughs> <laughs> So Geno Smith was starting in place of the injured Russell Wilson. As we all know, he completed 23 of 32 passes for 209 yards and a TD in his first full start in nearly four years. Alex Collins, uh, backup running back, ran for 101 yards, filling in for injured starter Chris Carson. And it just happened to be the first 100-yard rushing game by a Seahawk since December 15th of 2018. Which is crazy to think about because they're typically a, or you, you think that they're a running team but evidently they're not because they don't get 100-yard games very often. Now, it was a weird call here by the refs. Uh, Seattle trailed by three with time running down in regulation. Uh, when driving down, Smith connected with DK Metcalf near the Seahawks sideline. Rather than step out of bounds with his team out of timeouts, Metcalf opted to turn upfield. field. The ball was stripped out of his hands by Pittsburgh's James Pierre and Seattle wide receiver Freddie Swan fell on at the Steelers' 25. Geno Smith scrambled to get the Seahawks up to the line of scrimmage and appeared to spike the ball with a second left. However, officials halted the game to review whether Metcalf caught the pass inbounds. The call stood on review, and the game clock was reset to three seconds, giving Geno Smith enough time to spike it so Jason Myers could come up uh, and pull the Seahawks even at the gun with a 43-yard field goal. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin who is on the NFL's competition committee called the review an embarrassment. He said, I hated it. I hated it. I cannot believe the game was stopped to confirm catch, no catch in that moment. And I can kind of understand that because it, it looked like a catch on the field. It didn't look like there was any issues. Uh, so then when he's brought down or the ball is, is jarred loose, you know, the clock should have ran. And there wouldn't have been time to, to, uh, to spike the ball. And then therefore the Steelers would have won. So uh, or they would have won earlier, I should say. So tough call there, but uh, it ended up working out in the long run for, for the Steelers and they ended up pulling out the win, but uh, just kind of a little, little different there. And, and uh, you know, like I said, it, it's an odd spot for that call to, to stop play there, but, uh, you know, wind, game winding down, it's almost done here. And But when you look at it from the NFL standpoint, they got to make sure the call's right. And uh, they don't, you know, had it been wrong, they would have been fucking, they would have blown up the other way. And, you know, there, there would have been even more people pissed off, so. Yeah, I'm kind of with Tomlin, though. Like,
2: it, uh, wrong calls happen. But at that point in the game, the time is, matters so much. You can't just stop mm-hmm. the clock to, to just make absolutely sure that you made the right call. Like, sometimes you just got to go with the call on the field and let the boys play on the clock matters
0: that much that's fair but that kind of defeats the purpose of having the reviews from above within the last two minutes then right might as well just say there are no reviews in the last two minutes in that case so um, either way it's understandable on both sides of the fence it's just kind of a matter of which uh, side you sit on um you know i i do agree you know with tomlin with you peter there that you know, saying it's a tough call. It, you know, it's a tough spot for them to to make that call. And and when you actually look at the replay, there was really no need for them to stop it. So that's where that's where somebody's got to say, you know, somebody in, in New York or wherever the head office is, say, look, we don't need to stop this one. Keep it rolling, and the the game essentially would have been done. Yeah, he he wouldn't have been able to spike it.
2: Now, it sounds like the football gods were uh, were with them anyway, and they carried on to win that game. But...
0: Yeah, I ended up pulling it out. If they hadn't,
2: it would have been a a bigger thing, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to the Monday Nighter from last week. Massive game. Pete's Tennessee Titans versus the Homer Buffalo Bills. Tennessee Titans stop Josh Allen on fourth down and hang on to beat the Bills 34-31. Yeah. Derrick Henry scored his third touchdown. Just over three minutes left and the Titans stopped Allen on, on that fourth down QB sneak in the final seconds to beat Buffalo, stopping the Bills' four-game winning streak. Uh, the AFC's leading Bills drove to the Titans' three on their final progression, possession, excuse me, and could have sent the game into overtime with a field goal, but his bed went for the win and didn't execute. I thought this was a stupid move. Uh, but His cleat slipped, man. His, his plant foot slipped. Doesn't matter. I mean, if his plant foot didn't slip, I don't I still think he kicked the ball. Man, Kick the ball, go to overtime. Although you didn't stop the Tennessee all day, so maybe that's what they were concerned about. If Tennessee got the ball first, then maybe they just go down and score. But
2: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they took the big risk, and in this case, they lost. They, had,
0: yeah, for if sure. They had
2: got that first down and then scored right afterwards. It would have looked like a like a genius for that call. Genius for sure. But.
0: Yeah. So, like Kev, as you said, on that fourth down, uh, rugged quarterback, Josh Allen moved from the shotgun to take a snap on her center. Tennessee's defensive line surged forward to meet Allen, whose legs slid out from underneath him before uh, a tackle from Jeffrey Simmons from the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Allen had, uh, who had converted an NFL best 24 QB sneaks for first down since t- 2018, said he didn't have great footing. And you could obviously see that in the replay when he slipped. Allen ended up going 35 for 47, 353 yards, three touchdowns, and one INT. Derrick Henry had 143 yards on 20 carries and three TDs. Derrick Henry came into in the game as the NFL's rushing leader, even with most teams in the league having playing six games, and he had finished with 143 yards, topping the hundred. 100- Yard mark for the fifth consecutive game. And it's the longest streak in the NFL since DeMarco Murray had eight straight in 2014 for Dallas. Henry, Henry has been a monster. Yeah. When Henry broke through that that gap,
1: man, the, they, I guess they clocked him at 21.8. He it it is, was
0: insane. He's an amazing running back, man. I don't know. Like, t- he's the best running back in my eyes. No question about it. There's nobody even fucking close. To, to him right now. Like,
1: you don't want to hit him high, man. He'll just uh, stiff arm you and make you look stupid.
0: Or if he doesn't stiff arm arm, he'll fucking truck stick you and run your ass over. Like, <laughs> it's a like, beast. Fuck. So I really had fun with this game. I wanted the Bills to win this Homer team, that type of thing. But my two biggest players on my fantasy team, Derek Henry, Josh Allen. So every single possession, I was screaming and yelling. <laughs> I give it to Henry, throw the ball, throw a touchdown, run it. Run it, Allen. Get a touchdown, whatever. I was loving this game just because there was so much. I had already won my game too. It didn't these these <laughs> scores like I had I had stomped my game, so it did not make a difference. These two scores didn't mean anything, and I'm still hooting and hollering and yelling. <laughs> then uh, that's I don't know if you don't play fantasy football, you should because this is what uh, this is what'll do to you. You stop cheering for teams and you start cheering for players. It's pretty fun. <laughs>
1: I tried, and that's what I didn't like about it.
0: Yeah, see I I love it man. I, I think it's so much fun to just cheer for them cuz I don't like I hate fucking you know, I hate Dallas, but I love Zeke cuz he's on my fantasy team, you know? Like I hate lots of teams and I like, uh, you know, I have Aaron Rodgers. I fucking hate Aaron Rodgers, but did I have one two fantasy teams. So see, I cheer for
1: him. <laughs> did you see their helmets this time? They look yeah. fucking awful
0: uh, This week they were like wearing their 1950s retros or something like that. Yeah, so. man, it was just yellow. Just
1: wanted you should have put like you know like actually circles on it to make it look like a make cheese. It cheese, <laughs> like I mean,
0: damn. I mean, you know them their helmets are are yellow all the time, right? They just yeah, have G they, on them.
1: It's right. Yeah, but this one was just no, I don't know. I just like I said, hey, I just these are looking for those way holes. better,
0: way better unis than the fucking than the blue and brown fucking helmets that they have. Those jerseys are fucking nasty, right? They should be wearing those. So I'm okay with the fifties uh, helmets just being straight up yellow. All right. Getting into uh, week seven here. Thursday a night football case Keenum and third string running back. Uh, Durance Johnson led the Browns past the Broncos. Uh, case Keenum was playing for injured uh, Baker Mayfield and made his first start in two years. Uh, Darnis Johnson ran for 146 yards and Cleveland okay, overcame a short week and a long list of injuries to beat the Bronx 17 14 on the Thursday night. I ended up picking up Teddy B water because I had Baker Mayfield and obviously I knew Mayfield was going to play. So I picked up Bridgewater thinking he'd be half decent. Nope, not so much. <laughs> he did throw for a pair of TD passes and uh, he gutted it out while playing with Foot and quad injuries. Uh, he finished twenty three for thirty three with one hundred eighty seven yards and one pick, and of course those two uh, two touchdowns. But that wasn't good enough for fantasy, and he fucked me over with his fifteen points. <laughs> fucked you over, did he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after the game, uh, Darren's Johnson, who used to work on a fishing boat when he wasn't drafted, was doused with water by his teammates uh, in a in a big ass locker room celebration. Uh, as this kid was, uh, you know, not undrafted and uh, wasn't expected to do too much. And here he is rushing for 146 yards on 22 carries. Uh, he had uh, a one TD and two catches for an additional 22 yards. So he had a pretty uh, pretty good day for uh, for stepping in uh, as the third string RB for, for Cleveland now Deshaun Watson we haven't really talked about this guy too much uh, we did maybe at the end of the last season he of course has got a bunch of legal troubles with uh, quite a few women uh, alleging sexual harassment uh, and so on and so forth uh, during and after uh, massages and that type of thing uh, maybe he's trying to get a happy ending we're not 100% sure but uh, <laughs> So anyway, so there has always, there's been talks about, or right away there was talks about trading him. Uh, the Texans said they weren't going to trade him. Watson wants out, so he wants to trade. So there was talks about uh, all kinds of different teams. The Bears were in on that, the, the Dolphins or whatever, uh, as, as, you know, as among other teams. So now the Dolphins are apparently getting closer to acquiring the Texans QB Deshaun Watson. Trade deadline isn't until November 2nd but the Texans uh, have been trying to move on from Watson. So after they said they weren't going to trade him, they did decide that they would and they would listen to offers, but uh, they haven't heard anything that they like in terms of a return for him. Um, So Watson did ask for that trade in late January. As I said, he's accused of sexual assault more than 20 civil lawsuits and the Texans have decided. Yeah. Maybe it's time to move on from this guy. Whether these allegations are true or not, he doesn't want to play in Texas anyway, so probably time to move on. Uh originally they were reportedly asking for at least three first round picks and everybody thought that was too much. That uh, could be facing a suspension or maybe even um banishment from the from the league. I don't know if that would have happened, but um you know, if you're going to get rid of three first-round picks and your guy suspended for half the season, that's, uh, that's pretty tough to give up. So now nothing has really been – these civil cases, nothing has really been done about. There hasn't been an actual court case yet. Um, and the NFL has not started its investigation into Watson's conduct. They haven't reached out to him on the matter because of the criminal investigation going on with Watson. So they can't do their investigation until the criminal investigation is over. Uh, which could take a while. And it doesn't seem likely that the NFL will suspend Watson until after the, both the NFL or the criminal or, and the criminal investigation are done, which makes sense. They're not going to suspend a guy when they really don't know what actually happened and what the truth is and so on and so forth. Um, So if he does get traded, he will be eligible to play uh, for the dolphins right away. Now, lots of people on the Dolphins are going to, you know, or fans of the Dolphins are going to say, we don't need this guy. We've got Tua. I don't know if they should be saying that. Uh, I think I would probably take Deshaun over Tua. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm an Alabama guy. I like Tua, but he's just not – he's not the – he's not the best Alabama quarterback to come out in the last five years. Let's put it that way. He's probably not even <laughs> top five <laughs> in the last five. <laughs> but
2: But would you rather have – Deshaun or Tua and three first round picks?
0: Or do we think the prices come down? Um, the prices come probably come down a bit. They're probably looking for like two first rounders and then a player.
2: Um, or do you think Tua might go the other way?
0: Tua could go the other way, which would make sense because why would you have two young QBs um, on the same team, both high-end picks that type of thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens here. I definitely would have taken Watson and uh, the bears, but you know, it is tough when you don't know what's going to happen with this guy. If he gets suspended for 10 games and you make that trade, your season's shot. You're done. Yeah. Now in Miami's case, their seasons already shot. Like they're not, you know they're not going to make the playoffs, there's just no chance. There's too many good teams in the AFC, and um,
2: you mean so? I, you mean like the, for them, the best team in the AFC, the Titans,
0: yeah, something <laughs> like that. I'd still say the Bills, but head <laughs> had to head would say otherwise. Just yeah, so. this is true, this is true. Um, well, we shall see how this works out. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows? It's it's a tough one. I don't know. I guess if you're if you're Texas and you're thinking, you know, maybe I get to a and two or three first rounders. Probably be two first rounders in Tua at, with a team like Texas, who's already probably not making the playoffs. They're already looking to rebuild and stuff like that. Those two first round picks are uh, looking pretty pretty tasty, I would think. And then likewise for for the Dolphins to get better at a quarterback is great, but. And if he doesn't play this year, he doesn't play this year. It's not the end of the world because they're already, they're already down in the standings and it's pretty much already a lost cause. So
2: Yeah, you're right. There are so many open-ended questions with this thing. Like yeah. if it's, if they know that it's just this season, then they probably do it. Uh-huh. But with the question mark there, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to spend that many assets and get a guy who, by all accounts, at least the last time he played, was a great quarterback.
0: Yeah. And I mean, who knows? He could be able to play all this year and then the civil suits might not come down until the end of the season. And then subsequently the NFL investigation at the end of the season. So now he could be suspended for eight games next year. And that's a huge, yeah,
2: which is when you want. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like you said, the question marks are leaving this wide open uh, for debate and, and uh, the question marks are, are legit question marks for these teams. All right, and week 7 locks of the week last part here on the NFL. So, we have Jesse took Vegas over Philly. They did uh, they did an indeed win. Vegas won 33 to 22 over the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Ooh.
0: That gives Jesse a W this week, Ooh. which none of us think. <laughs> Kev took his Falcons over those lowly Dolphins. You, you. He's showing us his hat. <laughs> he doesn't have the jerseys on today? <laughs> That's
2: why they won. That's right. If he had yeah. donned that jersey, they would have put up the L for sure.
0: Yep. Uh, anyway, so the Falcons ended up winning by what? Two points? Was it thirty to twenty-eight or thirty to twenty-seven? Uh, today so kev gets his big w which uh brings his season tally up to three and four yeah getting back in the hunt
1: because i didn't take on anybody else like i think you fuckers should do
0: but just call it on down. you're the only goof that's fucking willing to take it, uh, an l <laughs> uh and i took the carolina panthers who shit the fucking bed the bad, the New York football giants. Real bad.
2: You should have just, take, oh, you should have just went head to head to head with Kev. Yeah. You would have been just as sure. bad. Off. At least it would have been close. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: So this game could have featured the two, two of the best running backs in the game, but uh, both are pretty much injury prone in the likes of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. They, neither of them played. And, uh, you had the shitty Carolina offense, which is uh, steered by Sam Darnold, who was hot as fuck at the beginning of the year, and now he's hot garbage. He did absolutely fucking nothing. Uh, in this game, Danny Dimes made a spectacular one-handed catch on a trick play that could go down as the fucking catch of the year. Make sure you guys YouTube this uh, this Danny Dimes catch. But nonetheless, Carolina lost. My lock of the week lost. I uh, I was in the lead for two weeks. Not anymore. I lost. My record is four and three. And I am now in second place behind Jesse at five and two. And Peter, your game is still to be determined. You have tomorrow's 49ers. game. Oh, uh, no, no, tonight's tonight, game. Yeah. Sorry. Tonight's game. The Niners, uh, you chose the Niners over the Colts. And it, this is a revenge game for Diverse Buckner as he was traded to the Colts for a first round pick. From the Niners, so uh, just it is currently nothing, nothing. Just
2: to clarify, I'm pretty sure you're technically in third place right now. Just
0: yeah. uh, technically, I guess. But when you lose <laughs> and Indy wins tonight, we'll be tied for second.
2: <laughs> but when I win,
0: I'll me still me be in fucking second. No, nah, man, you'll be in third. Me and Jesse, will be tied for first. Oh, yeah, I'll be in second. I'll be in third. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <yeah. laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, that's going to do it for our, our locks of the week. Hopefully, uh, next week, I can choose better. Kev, you can choose worse. Jesse can choose worse. And Pete, you're going to lose anyway. So <laughs> well, now, that, now that I'm
1: not <laughs> taking on you guys anymore, watch out.
0: Yeah, so you just wanted to, you just wanted to start low, right? So you got this big comeback. you like, oh, I'm going to lose a bunch of games at the beginning, and then I'm going to win the last 12. Kev's all about that's the right.
2: story. Got to have that storyline. Started slow, then went on a huge winning streak. Came back to win the that's thing. Right
0: uh just calm down <laughs> season isn't our so what do we have it's seven games so we are oh what a third of the way essentially well oh, less than more than a third yeah way, not quite half more than a third yeah so anyway that's going to do it for the nfl and just a second we're going to get to our mvp
2: So our MVP for this week is the NLCS MVP, Eddie Rosario. So Eddie went 14 for 25 in the NLCS, which is a 5.60 average. In that span, he had three home runs, nine RBIs, and put up a 1.647 OPS in the championship series. Rosario set an Atlanta record and became the only the fifth Player in MLB history to get 14 hits in a postseason series, which made him the easy choice as NLCS MVP. As we previously mentioned, he had the three run home run that took the lead in game six and led to the Braves making the World Series. He also had a two home run and a triple in a postseason game, which only one other person, Steve Garvey, in the 1978 NLCS game one against the Phillies, can claim to do. Rosario did this in the NLCS Game Four, and in that game he was four for five with four RBIs. He also has the second most four-hit games in a single postseason. Who holds his number one with three in 2011? Eddie Rosario and Kike Hernandez are tied with two in 2021, and also with two are George Brett and Robin Yount, both in uh, both had two in '85 and '82
0: respectively. A quite good company uh, for the four hit games there. Brett Yount and Pujols. Kike Hernandez is uh, he's pretty good, but he's not on the level of those other three guys. And just what Eddie's done this uh, this NLCS timely, timely hitting, timely hitting. Like I mean, he hit all series, but when they needed it, he came through and he hit some big fucking home runs.
2: Yeah, and now they're on their way to the World Series. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) So, Eddie Rosario, our MVP for the week. So, cheers, boys. Cheers, Eddie. Why don't we roll on into uh, what's going on in the NBA?
0: Yeah, so the NBA released their all-time top 75 players in history. All the big names were on there, of course. But there were a handful of notable, notable players that were left off the list, including Walt Bellamy, Mr. Air Canada, Vince Carter, Grant Hill, Superman, Dwight Howard, T-Mac, Tracy McGrady, Anthony Hardaway, okay, Penny Hardaway, Dekumbe Matumbo. No, no, no. No, no, no. And Warriors' uh, splash brother, Clay Thompson. And so, I don't know if you guys have looked into this at all, but I'm curious on who you guys think the biggest snub of the top 75 players were.
2: For me, Carter and Matumbo jump out at me at first. I don't really know Matumbo's, like, I don't really know how good he was. I didn't watch him play very much, if at all. I've just seen, I just know him for the no, no, no. And Air Canada is Air Canada. But to me, the guy that's clearly... A snub off this list. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, Dwight Howard. In his prime, he was the absolute best two-way center in the game. And I don't know how he didn't make this list.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you there, Pete. I I, I looked over this and it's kind of the same thing, where we're VC even Grant Hill jumped out at me, Dwight, and then and then Dukumbe. But when it comes down to it, when you start looking at, at stats and whatnot and the accolades, it's got to be Dwight Howard. So just some some quick career highlights here in awards. So he was an NBA champion in 2020, eight-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA first team. He was a one-time All-NBA second team, two-time All-NBA third team, three-time DPOY, as you said, four-time NBA All-Defensive first team. One time NBA All Defensive Second Team, NBA All Rookie First Team, a five time NBA Rookie, or sorry, Rebounding Leader, two time NBA Blocks Leader, NBA Slam Dunk Contest Champion, Naismith Prep Player of the Year, McDonald's All American Game Co MVP, First Team Parade All American, and Mr. Georgia Basketball. Uh, The the last couple there weren't necessarily uh, in the NBA, but still a hell of a resume. I got to agree with you, Pete. How the hell does this guy not make it? Now, there's some older guys on the list that I didn't get to see watch, so it's hard for me to take them off the list to put this guy on. You know, I don't know who you take off. That's It's kind of hard that way when you don't know some of these older players from the 70s, 80s, or earlier, because uh, we're pretty much primarily, we know the 90s and up, Kev, you probably no fucking of 20s and the 30s, but you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. So um so I agree with you, Pete. I think Howard. And for me, my next is I don't know. I'm gonna say Matombo. Just because of the defensive prowess. You know, VC didn't like he was great, but yeah it like, hops. Yeah, but what like what kind of accolades does VC have? That's who I'm taking.
1: I'm taking VC. I took VC just because of his hops. I mean, the guy's energetic. The guy has definitely some some def, the dunks that, that blows your mind. Want of dunk off? The one dunk that, that comes to my mind every time is that Olympic one where he just soared over that seven-foot-two dude. I mean, I saw him strip the ball, sorry, in the middle of the court and then just dunked over this seven-foot-two dude and all you saw was Garnett at the bottom of the, the, the rim watching him just do this with his mouth, jaw wide open. That's why I like Vince. I mean, he should be there.
0: Like, I mean, Vince never won a championship. So, you know, I mean, does winning a championship put you into that top 75 no matter what? Probably not. I mean, there's going to be guys that have won that, you know, PJ Tucker's not on the list and he's got a bunch of fucking... He's got a bunch of rings. so
2: Vince Carter is also 19th all-time in points. He's got 25,728 points, which is 19th all-time. So I don't know how the 19th all-time scoring leader in the NBA is not part of the top 75 players in the NBA. That's
0: tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Like, he was a rookie of the year. Pretty Sure, he was an MVP dunk champ. That's it's tough, you know. Like,
1: well, he didn't do what Howard did. I mean, Howard dunked an 11 foot net that's uh, so, um, when he won his dunk comp- um, competition. There was a difference in height, he raised it, he told him to raise it.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, like, BC is six all time in three point field goals. You know, he's got seven, he's 72nd. All time in assists, which doesn't sound that good, but and only two players have, have played more games than VC all time. He
1: would be on there so for it's me. It's
0: tough, and it's tough that he doesn't get that. But
1: it was it was hard for me too. I was looking at Hill. Don't get me wrong, but Grant Hill was also injury prone, and Vince Carter's cousin. But I had to go with Vince.
2: Yeah. And like you say, Josh, some of the older players we never watched. Kev might have been too young to watch some of them back in the 20s and 30s.
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> like maybe they took scoring in the olden days to mean more than scoring in the modern era where it's a, mm-hmm. a higher scoring game. And Maybe that's part of the reason that uh, someone like Vince Carter's not on there, but I would have had him on there, and Howard, and Matumbo. But like you say, I don't know who I'm taking off.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Clay Thompson was pretty uh, pissed off that he didn't make the top seventy-five, and the uh, the Golden State Warriors were trolling him a bit, and they put a uh, number seventy-seven jersey with his name on it uh, in his locker uh, <laughs> for uh, for a. Practice or what have you, and so he's not back yet, Clay. But he, he should be back relatively soon. But so he put on that seventy seven jersey, and he's number eleven, so it kind of works out. You know the the, the seventy seven looks like an eleven type thing, but definitely a little poke at him for not being in that top seventy five. So so I I can't I can't argue with you guys between uh, between Superman and Air Canada. Like I said, I like Batambo. You know, but even like Walt Bellamy, like I have no no fucking clue no idea who that guy is, how good he is, you know, or was. So it's, it's tough. And like you said, it's tough to take a guy off the list that we don't know. And how do they, how do they compare guys scoring back in the seventies compared to the guys scoring now or, or so on and so forth. So either way, there's some definitely some guys that were pissed off that they weren't on the list. And I'm sure that there were some guys that were quite, quite ecstatic that they were on the list. But so they're doing this because it's the 75 year anniversary, and there will be a few, few special games throughout the year uh, commemorating the 75th anniversary and whatnot. And there'll be a handful more uh, things that the NBA does here, and just one more thing to try and get the fans involved and uh, and get more excited about the uh, the NBA. And for the record, I bet Jesse would say Vince Carter missing on the list. If yeah. I didn't
1: take Carter, I'd have went Tracy McGrady.
0: Yeah, I don't know about T-Mac. He was good, but he wasn't as good as Vince, in my opinion. But lots of people would disagree with me,
1: and that's okay. I mean, And that's okay.
0: <laughs> so, regular season has just started, and just a week into it, we have some new milestones and records being broken. Chris Paul, the old CP3, becomes the first player in NBA history to reach 20,000 points and 10,000 assists. And that's fucking crazy. That's a lot of points and a lot of assists. And to be the only guy ever to do it is quite spectacular. And I like Chris Paul. I've always liked him. He's definitely the first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. With or, with, with or without a ring. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, definitely with a ring. But I also think without. him. Just, just what he's done. Quite impressive. And if you ever need a spark, look for him on the bench. He's fucking, he's drinking his, his water, but it's not water. It says Chris's special stuff right on it. Just, <laughs> like, just like Mike in Space Jam. <laughs> so along with CP3, we had three guys move up on the all-time three-pointers made list. We had James Harden, LeBanis James, and our boy, boy Kyle Lowry yeah. all moving up. Harden moves up to number four all time. He has 2,452 three-pointers made. Next up to catch is the obviously the number three spot, and that is Reggie Miller with 2,560. So he's got 108 to go. That's going to take him a bit to get, I would think. I mean, do you think – like, is, I don't, I didn't look into seeing how many three-pointers guys get in a, in a season, but is 100 – do you think that's doable? Oh, yeah, I has got to Probably, yeah. Uh, He's he's got eighty
2: two games. He's at twenty four hundred already. Yeah. So So yeah. he's not played twenty four seasons, right? And so he's making at least hundred a season. More than that,
0: probably yeah. two, probably two hundred. what
1: did Curry do up last year? I don't
0: know. What did Curry throw up last year? Yeah, well, Curry's a fucking anomaly. So when yeah. it comes to three pointers. So anyway, so he's at four. Next up, Reggie Miller. He's got about a, he's got one hundred and eight to go uh, to catch Reggie. And yeah, that will likely happen sooner rather than later. Uh, The next one who won't, he won't really catch the next guy for a little bit here. So LeBitch James moves up to number 11 all time. He has 1,989 three-pointers. Next up is current player, uh, the number 10, Damian Lillard, who plays for the Trailblazers. He has 2,053. So, you know, there's a 60 or 70 difference there. But with Damian Lillard continuing to play, they're going to move up pretty much at the same pace over the next uh, couple of years here. Um, now that doesn't mean that they won't uh, pass the next couple of guys that are retired to kind of together type thing, but uh, it's going to be tough for LeBron to, uh, to pass Lillard with uh, him being up so many three pointers already. And the last one, our boy Kyle Lowry, sure. he moves up to 18th all time. He has 1,828 three pointers. Next up is Chauncey Billups, who sits at number 17, he has 1,830. So only two more, and Lowry has that. Of course, that will definitely happen this year unless something happens to uh, to Lowry with a season-ending injury, which we obviously hope does not happen. Nope. Uh, it will be a little bit before he can move up to the number 16 spot because I believe there's another 100 and change that he's got to get to there.
2: That actually surprises me a little bit. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think as Lowry is really a three-point shooter. He sure can make he, he can make he can make him for sure but i, I wouldn't guess guessed he got, his first choice yeah i wouldn't guess he'd be top 20 all the time but i would be wrong
0: i mean when you're the raptor three point leader you got to be up there you know what i mean like not that the raptors are you know the one of the best teams of all time or anything but, Hey, they
1: won one yeah you no know, they did
0: <laughs> they did just won
1: hey when you need is one.
0: One's better than none. right. One is better than none. Elsewhere in the NBA, specifically in Philadelphia, the Ben Simmons saga continues yet again. Kind of feels like uh, we're talking about Shohei over and over and over again. We keep talking about <laughs> Ben Simmons over and over and over again. Only difference is Shohei, we're constantly talking about how good he is, and Simmons, we're constantly talking about how much of a fucking cancer he is. So 76ers president Daryl Morley said the Sixers are only willing to trade ben, ben Simmons if they can get a difference maker in return and says the saga could go on for four years. Morley also says, you're going to think I'm kidding. I'm not. This could be four years. Every day we're going to expect Simmons to be back here or we trade him for a difference maker. Now in their first home game, Joel Embiid grabbed the mic and gives a message to the Philadelphia crowd. He goes on a you know, about the season in general, blah, blah, blah. And then he says to the crowd saying that he would like them to support Simmons as he's quote, still our brother. And he pretty much puts the mic down and that's it right after he says that. So he's, you know, I don't know if he was asked to say something like that or if he actually mean, meant it because in past reports, he has not been too fond of uh, of Ben Simmons and the, the shit that he's pulling here. Uh, not wanting to play And you know, it's one thing to ask for a trade, but you still got to be, for your part of your team and and uh, and play and and uh, play hard. So and he obviously isn't doing that. Now there was reports earlier this week that Simmons was trying so hard in practice that he had a cell phone in his pocket. Obviously, that's being sarcastic. Trying to challenge
1: that. It wasn't his cell phone, it was actually it was his uh, jersey, it was his if practice jersey. Let me jersey. finish my
0: fucking sentence. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to be his practice jersey. <laughs> shit i mean i don't know that i don't know i mean i was about to say that <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that i'll let you on that one Pete. you can give us is it a challenge or not no challenge safe <laughs> <laughs> kev i appreciate you challenging because we need one this week we can't go two weeks without having a challenge but but i was about to say it <laughs> anyway so that that uh, report was uh, was refuted, and turns out it was just his jersey. But this guy needs to be wearing his fucking practice jersey. Like you're part of the team, you know. Get this, uh, get this jersey on. So I think it's going to be tough for the Sixers to trade him. Do you think it's a mental health that's
1: going on with them? That is why he's sitting there, you know, doing what he's doing. It's not that he wants to not play with them, but it's a pure mental.
2: I mean, it certainly could be. You see it with guys like Carey Price in the NHL is he's not playing right now because uh, we don't really know why, but he's uh, in the this program. So certainly could be.
0: Yeah, definitely could be. Like it's all started from the playoffs last season with him not wanting to shoot, passing up easy buckets and stuff like that, which again could be a mental thing. He's not, he's, he's not confident in himself to make those shots and whatnot. I guess maybe, maybe you're, you're concerned. You don't want to say, you know, you're, you're trying to be too strong and you don't want to say that you maybe potentially have mental health issues, but like, why is this just coming out now? That's my question in regards to the mental health. Like, yeah, maybe he just didn't feel right talking about it or whatever. Um, so Kevin, what you're alluding to is that Simmons met with the Sixers medical professionals and coach Doc Rivers and informed them. that he's not mentally ready to play to his expectations and his expectations are obviously high, uh, because he's a top-end draft pick and he needs to play well for the Sixers. Part of me thinks this is an excuse for him to not want to or to not play with the team so that he can potentially get traded without having to put on that jersey again. Uh, by the sounds of things from the from the prez, it's he's going to play. He's, he, he'll let this go on for four years, which is crazy that you'd spend that kind of money and let this guy sit on your bench and not play, you know, And as of right now, I mean, we've had a whole offseason and there hasn't been a whole lot of teams biting at Ben Simmons. There's been a few people taking a look, but nothing crazy. So is anything going to happen here? I don't know.
1: Like like I say and you say, is he he that cancer in the room? Or I'm not going to take him because he is, you know, has some kind of mental issues that are going on right now. We don't need that on our team. And
0: that could be – both could be it. You know, maybe he's just – he is maybe he's just that cancer where he's just a bad apple in the room and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Or maybe it is that he has this mental mental, mental issues and challenges and whatnot. And, and like I said, Kevin, maybe other teams are saying, you know what, fuck that. I don't want to take a chance with him on my team because he could blow up my team. He could, you know, who knows, right. You know, we don't want to take uh, any mental health issues uh, lightly, but we, we don't know. And I don't think, I don't think very many people know actually what's going on. But Ben himself. Exactly, yeah. So what we do know is he still doesn't want to play for them, but he's there uh, at practice. He's putting his time in, but I don't think he's trying too hard. He was booted out of a practice uh, earlier in the week or late last he week. suspended
1: the game or something like that too, wasn't it, because of it?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who knows what's going on with this guy? I'll tell you one thing.
1: Actually, I'll tell you two things.
2: If they actually let him just sit on the bench for four years and not play and pay him to be there that whole time, that's the dumbest thing they could do. You're going to waste all of Joel yeah. Embiid's prime. That's yeah, absolutely the wrong move. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Now, maybe if he's actually, actually going to play, then fine. But the second thing, I still think, a Simmons for Irving trade makes a bit of sense. Maybe it's Simmons plus. I don't know. But I still think that makes some sense
0: for both. I mean, teams. at least Kyrie be able to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and you would assume that Simmons would be fine with playing in New York or Jersey, whatever, Brooklyn, I guess it is now. I don't know why I keep saying Jersey. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the just jersey. the same
1: mistake I did with the Raiders. So whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. At
1: least you don't call... Uh, Charlotte, the (laughs) (laughs) Bobcats.
0: Yeah. So we will see how this shakes out. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be tough for them to trade Simmons at this point. And like you said, if they're going to let him just sit on the bench, play, you know, pay all that money for him to sit there. That's, that's a, that's a big, a big hit on your cap to not be able to add a player of that caliber to help him Like you said, that could be a massive, massive, massive mistake. By the Sixers, but what I mean, do you just fucking cut him?
1: Hey man, I'd I I would. I mean, if that's the case right now, I mean, yeah, man, you sit on the bench, but you're going to sit like farther away, and you might be in your civvies. Yeah,
0: but then you're still paying them. I'm saying to to try and to try and uh, recoup that money and and to bring a player in that's going to play. You got to cut him, but then you're still going to pay a bunch of that money out. I don't know. It's a tough tough goal. Yep. All right, let's get into our Raptor report three games this week, obviously it was opening week. They lost the opener. It was the first game back in Toronto in about two years and they lost to the Washington wizards. OG and had a double double with 11 points, 10 rebounds. And our boy, Scotty Barnes had 12 points and nine boards, which wasn't too bad for yep. a, uh, for a debut. Oh, uh, even though we lost two games this week, we did get a win, and that win was against the Celtics. And that means that it's worth like two or three wins because it's the fucking Celtics. So we love to see them beat up on any Boston team. Barnes and Precious Ichiua. Oh, I can but I can never say his name right. <laughs> uh, they they would. both had double doubles. Barnes with twenty five and thirteen, and Precious with fifteen and fifteen. Now. Uh, Scotty Barnes becomes the youngest player in Raptor history with a 25 point, 25 plus point game and 10 plus rebounds in that same game, passing both Chris Bosch, Mr. CB4, and Air Canada's, I believe it's second cousin removed, something like that, twice removed. It's, it, it's crazy. But anyway, T Mac, so passes them as the youngest. Are you challenging me, Kev? You look like you want oh. to challenge me, man. I'm going to say it has to first be his first cousin? cousin. I'm saying second cousin, man. Uh, Are I you challenging or what?
1: You Yeah. I, Might yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was
0: saying
1: it's right. his first
0: cousin. All right. That I think second cousin. <laughs> cousin. Second cousin at best. It's like second cousin twice removed or something. Me. Uh Also in this game against Boston – uh, Gary Trent Jr who we got last season uh, in the Norman Powell trade uh, he chipped in with 20 points and I really like Gary Trent. Uh, I don't like his haircut but I really like him as a player and uh, and I can't wait to see him uh you know gel with the rest of the team here. And then Saturday night's game which was the second half of a back-to-back versus uh, Dallas here Precious had another double-double with 10 and 12. Freddie Van Vleet had 20 points. OG had 23 points. And Scotty Barnes had 17 points. Now, what we know after three games, Scotty Barnes is good.
1: Yeah. I think he needs to work on his defense, though. But yes, he's good. He
0: is good. Uh, I feel like he's uh, he's a bit more advanced on both ends of the floor than most of the rookies that come into the league. And he's got, like, at this, you know, when they come into the league, but he's got lots of room to grow offensively, oh, sure. defensively. Obviously, his name is going to be tied to Jalen Suggs for the rest of his career, or at least the rest of his time in Toronto which hopefully is for a long time so when it comes down to it and to make this a win as a pick and to have you know the fans not second guess the Raptors brass he needs to outperform Jalen Subs in all aspects of, of the tenure you know being in, in an, at least with Scotty in Toronto and uh, from what I've seen like this this kid looks good he's, he's, already, he's already starting up on the floor he's so far, so fucking good. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it, and he seems like he's a he's a good guy in the room. He seems like he's a fun guy, and he tries to keep everybody loose. He's you know he's always got this big smile on his face. Looks like he's cracking jokes a bunch and trying to keep the guys loose, which uh, which is definitely you know helpful to keep. It's good to keep everybody loose, you know, even if you're having a bad game. You got to you keep loose so you can continue to get better. Uh, when you when you're losing a game and you are getting all pissy, you tend to you tend to play worse and that's not what you want as a team. You, even though you're playing a shit game, you want to end strong and uh, take the positives away from, from that game. And I feel like Scotty Barnes is a, is the kind of guy that's going to help us uh, do that. And stay positive. Another thing that we know after uh, three games, we miss spicy P the offense needs spicy P this guy. We, we know he can score from all over the floor, even when he's slacking from beyond the arc, which we know happens a lot, but he can still hit buckets When he's on the floor, he's going to open up lanes and take defensive focus away from the other guys, like OG, like Fred Van Vliet, which which gives them more time, more options to knock down buckets, make better passes, so on and so forth. Exactly. Uh, Now, obviously, OG, Freddie Van Vliet, and uh, and Scotty Barnes, they're trying to hold down the fort until Spicy returns, but uh, we know that Siakam's going to make a huge difference once he's back. And uh, and and I can't wait. And I I like that the, the four of them there. Spicy P, Scotty Barnes, OG, and Freddie Van Vliet. It's not a bad foursome right there.
2: Throw in a little precious Achua every now and again. Exactly. The sixth man.
0: Yeah, and and of course then we have fucking Oh uh, shit!
1: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Get that garbage out of here.
0: Boucher should be coming back in the next, I would say within the next week from his finger injury. Now, spicy peas have been out with a uh, shoulder injury uh, or, or recovering from surgery from, uh, from shoulder uh, stuff over the, over the off season. So hopefully uh, he'll be back in the next couple of weeks and uh, hopefully the raps don't lose too many games until he comes back. So we're not too far down in a hole. Who knows? Maybe, 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 maybe they could just make the playoffs. Maybe, 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 Maybe who knows? It's not a championship a year, but maybe. And so the upcoming week, they get to play the Chicago Lost. Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls are three zero right now, and they are fucking good. They're really fucking good. So probably going to be a loss, but uh, it'll be nice to see uh, DeMar DeRozan play against his old team. Uh, they also play two against the Pacers. One's gonna one at home, one's away. And they play the Orlando Magic as well. Lost. So, Kev, you think both games against the Pacers are Ws?
1: No. One of them will be.
0: So you're saying three losses, one win this week?
1: Bulls, they lose. Pacers, they'll win. The Pacers, they'll lose. Wow. And the Magic, they'll wow. lose.
0: Saying. I'm saying it's a 2 2 week. That's what I'm going to say. Lose against the Bulls. They'll win one of the games versus the Pacers likely the home game and they win against the Magic.
2: I think I'm with you on the two and two.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, to go back in time a little bit to a challenge that we had, this is what I found. Carter's grandmother had explained that her father-in-law is McGrady's grandmother's brother, which makes Carter and McGrady second cousins.
0: Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> fucking right. Other boy, T-Mac in Air Canada. Way to be second cousins.
2: <laughs> I mean, really, it wasn't up to them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all right. I'll take a fucking W any which way I can get it.
1: Yeah, I'll take that W. I'll take that W as a, as a loss in any which way I can get it. <laughs> That's an L, bud. That's not a W. That's an L. I know. Well just trying to help help out. Like giving you a W.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man.
2: No worries. Well, why don't we skate right over to the NHL and talk about what's going on there? So first of all, the hurricanes beat the Habs on Thursday night. Why is that important, you might ask? It's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the tr- the troll job that the Canes put on in this game was definitely worth talking about. So Kotkaniemi scored in this, which is his first game back against Montreal since accepting the Canes offer sheet and it not being matched by Montreal. And the Montreal crowd was giving it to Kotkaniemi a little bit, which I didn't really get that much. It's not Kotkaniemi's choice that they didn't match his offer. It's the team's choice that they didn't. Someone's going to offer you six million bucks. You take it when you're not worth that, especially. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, he scored and got uh, a little bit of revenge for not them not matching his offer sheet, not thinking he's worth that six million bucks. And uh, after they won, the Hurricanes started a website to troll the Habs called DidTheHabsLose.com. <laughs> they shared this website on Twitter, and when you went to this website, the site just states in big bold letters, "Yes, the Habs did lose," and you can also buy T-shirts. There's a t-shirt for Sebastian Ajo and one for Isperi Kotkaniemi. They both so, sold for $20, which is Ajo's number and is Kotkaniemi's signing bonus. Because if you don't remember, uh, Sebastian Ajo was offer sheeted by the Montreal Canadiens back when he was a restricted free agent, which the Hurricanes did match, and which started this whole... Uh, I don't know if you'd call it a Twitter war or a troll war or whatever. but It's a
0: feud, that's for sure.
2: Oh, for sure. There you go. I'm all for it. This is great entertainment. Especially since the site was later hacked, presumably by a Montreal fan. And instead of selling t-shirts and saying that did the Habs lose? Yes. It was changed to say that just that the Carolina Hurricanes suck. And the site is now down.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, I asked some of my toilet seat lovers at work. <laughs> toilet seat lovers? About, uh, the return. <laughs> <laughs> well, the symbol looks like a toilet <laughs> I <seat>. know it <laughs> does. I think I asked him, I said, how did you guys feel about, uh, you know, Kakademi coming back and scoring a goal and Aho also popping too. He said, that must be, you know, amazing to you guys. And I got no response of <laughs> both of them. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, it was, it was fun to sit there and poke them. But, you know, it's not as fun when they poke back every now and then.
2: And they have lots of reasons to right now anyway. But we also have reasons to poke. So the Canadians avoided the worst start ever by a team coming off a Stanley Cup final by notching their first win on Saturday night. So they're the second worst start ever following a Stanley Cup final. Not the worst. So good for them. And Drysaddle and McDavid. In, the, uh, in Edmonton, both reached 200 goals this week in their career. Dreisaitl scored his 200th on Tuesday night against the Ducks in a high-scoring 6-5 comeback victory. And McDavid scored twice to reach 201 uh, in a 5-1 victory over the Coyotes on Thursday night. It took McDavid 411 games to reach the 200 milestone and 481 for Drysidle. And so with the start he's had to the season, uh, McDavid is absolutely on fire. He's currently on pace for 213 points this year, which is of course dumb. And that's why we don't use pace numbers after five games into a season because they give you the wrong answer. (laughs) I guarantee you he will not get 213 points this year. You can write that down as a hot take if you want.
0: It's more like a lukewarm take. (laughs) That's...
2: Pretty cold, Dick. Well, a, maybe not cold because it's going to come true, but it's room temperature at best. Uh, that brings us to the Kraken. They finally make their home debut. They started off with a bang, too. They did. They did. They started off with a bang. So they're finally at home to start the year. They started by retiring the number 32. Uh, so that was retired by the team in honor of becoming the 32nd NHL franchise and to the 32,000 season ticket deposits they received in early 2018 uh, that helped lead to the awarding of the franchise to Seattle. So I like that. They're retiring the number 32. No player will ever wear it for that franchise for good
0: reasons. That's much like the Seattle Seahawks, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's completely retired, but the 12th man is the Seattle fans, so and they always recognize the 12th man they always they have the 12 number 12 flags up all the time and they always recognize it pregame uh in seattle so this is just another thing that uh, seattle you know the kraken is kind of taken out of the seahawks book but i like it like i said i'm not sure if 12 has is retired by the seahawks but you're saying that 32 nobody will ever wear 32 at the Kraken. which is uh yeah. that's oh. pretty cool i like that
2: yeah, that's what. too. so the building they're playing in is the climate pledge arena is the first net-zero carbon-certified arena in the world. The roof and glass were historic elements that could not be removed. So the existing building was demolished and dug down to accommodate NHL-level seating. So the ice surface is actually very deep below ground. Cool. That is cool. And there's actually, there's it's cool because there's, you can walk up to the glass outside and you have to get like into the compound of the building, but then the glass looks down onto the ice. So while they're doing the game, you can see people outside on the other side of the glass looking in at the game. It's pretty cool. The original building housed the Supersonics for 33 years. And uh, they claim that the new build is NBA ready. If the NBA is ever uh, ready to come back to Seattle,
1: the building is there. Will they call them, the Sonics, though? Oh, yeah, for sure they will. I don't know. You think they will? For sure. Supersonic. Supersonic. See if they actually get a team back.
0: Are you singing a Fergie fucking song over there? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> How many beers are you in, Kevin? At least seven. Seven? Only Ooh. seven? <laughs> That's why he's fucking singing and dancing
1: Fergie. Well, I haven't even gotten to my shit yet, man. Damn.
2: All right. it's going to be some challenges that come up in there. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so this building uses filtered rainwater collected from the the historic roof and uh, claims to host the greenest ice in the nhl so they filter the rainwater off the roof and use that to
1: make the ice cool i thought that was pretty cool
0: especially in seattle there's lots of fucking rain so it makes yeah, sense.
1: exactly exactly and that would go like to like pond hockey black ice that's pretty sick
0: sure I've never seen pawn black eyes before. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've seen black eyes on the fucking roads, but never you could play hockey on.
2: Yeah, as long as it's smooth-ish. So Jack Eichel's camp uh, is going to meet with the Buffalo Sabres to make their final case for disc replacement surgery. Eichel was hopeful that the Sabres would trade him to a team that would allow him to get disc replacement surgery. The Sabres prefer Eichel received a fusion surgery as a disc replacement, has never been performed on an NHL player. Under NHL collective bargaining agreement rules, the teams have the final say on how to treat injuries. I actually didn't know that. That's interesting. And over the past several weeks, Eichel has been visiting various doctors, collecting medical opinions that support his preference to receive a disc replacement surgery. And according to sources, Eichel's camp is presenting that information to Buffalo management this week and hoping, hoping that they will budge on their stance.
1: I don't think they're going to. They're just definitely going to want it to be, uh, you know, fused. But Eichel's young. Go for, the, go for the better surgery, I think.
0: Why don't you just, like, no matter what he wants, why don't you just fucking trade the guy?
1: But you still got to figure out this guy's surgery, though. Whoever gets him. Whoever gets
0: him. Yeah, whoever gets him. But... Why not, like, I heard that the Rangers are are interested or would be open to the, the surgery that he wants. So, like, as a Buffalo brass, why don't you look to move this guy? You're going to rake in a fucking ton for him. Are you? Fuck yeah, you will, man. All he's right. a great player. It's just that he's been hurt, right?
2: It's similar to Deshaun Watson where – There is a risk there with the surgery that he wants. So even if you're a team that agrees to let him get that surgery, the reason Buffalo won't, it's not just because they're pricks. It's that they're worried that this surgery will have a detrimental impact on his career. So there's risk there. And its uh, I think the Sabres want to trade him, but they're not budging on their high asking price, which I don't know if teams are willing to pay. Because there is that risk there.
0: I mean, there's risk regardless, though, right? Like the fusion couldn't, work, it might not work. Also, because he might not have, well, he might not have full
1: mobility of his neck, which you're going to need in hockey.
0: I mean, there's always, no matter what, there's always potential for issues with surgery. So, whether yes, maybe the potential for issues with fusion is less than the other with the, the replacement, but. I mean, it is what it is. Like, and maybe, it, maybe right now the trade, like you said, maybe the the whole aspect of trading is is a moot point because because of the the unknowns, and that's could be very well what it is. So then, Buffalo is kind of up shit creek.
1: I don't, I don't see them getting yeah. a lot for them. I don't.
0: No, they'll still.
2: If there is a trade that happens, they'll get a lot for them. It might not be exactly what he would be worth if he was completely healthy but you'll still get a lot for jack eichel he's a fucking superstar and i don't i really don't think that the sabers are going to change their mind on the surgery at this point it would just be terrible no for one and be terrible pr for them if they did that yep you're like okay it's you've waited like however long it's been a year to allow him to get the surgery that he wants. Now you're just going to let him do it. So you just wasted a year, which uh, they're not winning anything anyway. So maybe it's
1: fine, but it's not a good look for the Sabres. Buffalo fans to be right now. Happy that they've got three. They got three wins. is what the Buffalo fans should be happy about right now.
2: And if like, imagine if they, you say, okay, fine, get your surgery that you want. He goes and does it. And then he never plays again. Cause the surgery is whatever. Maybe Buffalo was right this whole time. Who knows?
0: Anyway. I don't know about that. Come on, it's Buffalo.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they're probably wrong. It's a good chance that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. So, speaking of teams that are just doing things wrong, let's talk about the Leafs. So they are 2-3-1 and one now on the season with five points, which is tied for fifth. Uh, fourth in the Atlantic division. This week the Leafs went winless. They had a 2-1 overtime loss to the New York Rangers on Monday night. Uh they played well in this game. They looked uh, like the better team, but they got goalied. They couldn't beat Sh- Sheshyrkin, who put up 40 saves and a 97.6 save percentage.
1: That goalie stood on his head, man.
2: Yeah. Matthews was all over the net. Looked like he was primed to get on the board to, uh, for the first time the season, but just wouldn't go in for him. And then they had a uh, a pretty long break, midseason. They had four days off, three days off, I guess, three days off. They played again on Friday night, which was a 5-3 loss to the Sharks. So this being a back-to-back, uh, Keith decided to start Hutch on the first game of the back-to-back so that Campbell would be able to go in the second half, uh, which turns out to be a bad choice. Okay, I don't mind Hutchinson. He is the third goalie for a reason. He wouldn't be playing regular games if Mrazik wasn't hurt, but he is. Uh, So in comes Hutch, and he did not look like an NHL goalie in this game, unfortunately. But there were some games last year where uh, he put up a few shutouts, I think, last year. He had some decent games. Uh, With Toronto. (laughs) Yes, with Toronto.
0: You should challenge him.
1: I will challenge. He played better when he wasn't played with Toronto with Carolina. When he went to Carolina, he played a hell of a lot better than he did with with Toronto. Are you? I think you're thinking about someone else.
2: Mm -mm. Was Hutch
1: with Carolina?
0: Challenge him again. (laughs) Double challenge. Come on.
2: I don't know about that one. I'm
1: going to challenge you on the shutouts thing, though. You saying the Hutch didn't have any shutouts with Toronto? I'm not saying he didn't have any shows in Toronto. I said he played a better. He played better not being in Toronto. He played better when he when he was the like, when the Carolina Hurricanes had him. He played a hell of a lot better for them than he played for Toronto. I'm going to challenge you just for fun. I don't remember him being in Carolina. So this is
0: a double challenge.
2: Nah, just the one, just the one, because the first one I don't even know what we're challenging
0: anymore. So you're challenging that he. Did not play in Carolina. Yeah. You're challenging that? Well.
2: At least not recently. Like, why don't you think he played in Carolina? I don't think he played there recently. It was last year. No, not in the last three years he hasn't played in Carolina.
1: The last time he left Toronto, he was in Carolina.
2: Okay, that's the challenge. Okay. The last team he played for was not Carolina.
0: I've already got the answer for you, boys. I was quick on the fucking draw. What's the answer? In 2021-2022, which is this year, Hutch yep. plays for Toronto. In 2020-2021, uh-huh. he played for Toronto. In 2019-2020, uh-huh. he played for Colorado. All right. Two years previous to that, he played for the Leafs. Before that, Florida, Winnipeg, 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 Winnipeg. No Carolina. No Carolina. Carolinas.
2: All right. I think you're thinking of... Hey, we got um,
1: challenges this week, boys. You're welcome. <laughs> I had the <to> right letter. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I forget the guy's name that I think you're thinking of. Fuck. He was an older guy. Don Cherry loved him. Damn it. I forget his name.
0: David Ayers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not David Ayers.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, that's going to bug me. I'm going to think of it right after we get offline. But I think I know who you're thinking of, it. it's not Hutch. Anyway, back to the Leafs update. So the loss of the Sharks were Hutch, who did not play for Carolina, did not look like an NHL caliber goalie. Hopefully he'll bounce back from that uh, if he starts any more games this year, but he didn't look good. And Matthews and Marner were uh, ghosts in that game. They didn't show up at all. And that led to a 5-3 loss. So that's unfortunate. And then back to back, from Friday night playing on Saturday nights, the Leafs played against the Penguins. Now the Penguins were missing Sidney Crosby, Kenny Malkin, Latang, Carter, Rust, all out for this game. The Leafs are basically playing the fucking wilkes Scranton Penguins, <laughs> which is their minor affiliate. Yeah, the AHL. They got destroyed. They lost seven to one. They got completely outworked. Campbell had one bad goal on a wraparound, which I think was, I want to say the fourth goal, whatever goal it was. There was one bad goal. The rest of them were a bunch of deflections and some bad luck, whatever. But they were getting completely outplayed the entire game and completely outworked by a team that had no business putting up seven goals. No business whatsoever against any NHL team. Even Buffalo.
1: But what happened when Hutch got in that? He let in another goal. From a fucking slap shot from Brad Boyle. Yeah, 20 seconds after yeah. he's put in that fucking piece of shit goalie. Yeah, from,
2: from a slap shot coming right down the slot, wide open. No defense to be
1: seen. Fucking what urges me more, man, him or Brady? When I hear those two voices or those two names, Brady, Hutch, oh, oh I can't stand either one of them. Fucking Hutchinson, you piece of shit! <laughs> was I,
0: really didn't wa-
1: I didn't even want to watch that fucking game, man. When I knew Hutchinson was in net, I'm like, fuck this. We should we like whatever, whatever. You better get the Zamboni driver in there; be a better game. Fucking Hutchinson. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that bad, man. Oh, dude, he sucks. He sucks. <laughs> Never liked him. Ever liked him. I don't even know if you're thinking of the right person sometimes. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, too, I don't. But, no, I know I know Hutchinson. No, I can't stand him. I didn't like him in preseason when, he, when we heard about him. I, I just don't like the right-handed goalie. I just don't like it. I don't even know if he's right-handed. I don't think I'm going to challenge you again, but I don't think he's right-handed
2: or uh, right-handed catching me. Anyway, so this game – it's very similar to the game that got Mike Babcock fired two years ago, uh, where they lost in Pittsburgh. And I don't think Crosby played in that game either. And they got dummied. I think it was 6-1 to one that game, 7-1 to one this time, because why not make it a one-goal better? I saw what I think is a perfect statement on Twitter from uh, at TheNinjaGrag, who wrote, uh, this was a statement game for the Leafs. The statement, we're not good at hockey. I think summed it up perfectly.
1: (laughs) I do think that they they did make a mistake by not starting Campbell twice. I mean, you had a a three to four game off. The Sharks came in at a twenty hour game to play them. I mean, they should have beat the Sharks easily. Yeah. But with Campbell in it, I think you gotta start giving Campbell the time because he's supposed to be your number one. So how are you sitting there and allowing this guy to go back-to-back? If Freddie Anderson was in net, they would have played him twice. So why aren't they doing this with Campbell? No, I don't think they would have. They hardly ever went back-to-back with Freddie.
2: They would always go back up the second game. Always. I just think, you know, got to give the number one the number one. Yeah. And if, obviously, if Mrazic wasn't hurt, he would have been there for one of those games. And maybe we're in a different, uh, completely different conversation here.
0: We definitely don't have a challenge if uh, if Morazic goes playing. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I just again I don't like the, the Hutchison. You, you can shoot Hutch on glove side all day long. I swear to God, out of ten shots, seven of them will go in. Because the <laughs> right-handed goalie is a piece of shit.
2: That's <laughs> the same thing, only inverted, right? Anyway. Mm-hmm. But he is right-handed. Uh, uh maybe i can't i can't remember right now Too many uh, beers go ahead
1: people. come on it's, it's just gonna be uh, zero no. for us I mean, no, no, I already... no 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 i'm All
2: gonna right, take whatever. i'm gonna take the victory you, and walk you, away
1: <laughs> you're gonna be a little bitch are you
2: yeah i'm gonna take the victory and walk away
0: because i don't i don't know the gosh answer. wait well sorry what are you gonna what are you talking about i was off at la la land there <laughs>
1: Are you going to take the challenge and Hutch is no, a right-handed goal.
0: 100%. He catches <laughs> with
1: his right hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of catching, we're going to get into this crappy football league. Uh, now Toronto is playing Montreal. Uh, Montreal goes on to take this game on Friday the 22nd, 37-16. to 16. Ottawa is playing Hamilton. Hamilton goes on to take that game as well on Saturday the 23rd at 32-3. to 3. So, I mean, I mean, fuck field
0: goal only, you suck. Hey, shut up. The Bears only put up three points today, too, you fucking asshole. Well, <laughs> at, least,
1: at least a kicker did something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, we got the BC was playing Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg goes on to take this game easily on Saturday, 45 to nothing. I mean, uh, wow. I'm just – this Winnipeg team is just unbelievable. Like, they – the last uh, time we talked about that, it was in the last podcast, that they looked like they clinched. But this time, they actually – they've got their division already clinched. Division's clinched already for these guys. It's gross. Now, Saskatchewan was playing Calgary. Saskatchewan goes on to win that game, which is also on Saturday, 20-17. So we're gonna go into our standings in the east with the Montreal win over uh, Toronto, puts them up top, even though they have a tying record at six and four. And then we go to uh, Hamilton has a five and five record, Ottawa has a two and nine record, and so in the east, Winnipeg's ten and one, Saskatchewan six and four, Calgary's five and six, DC's four and six, and the elks four and seven.
0: Now, I mean yeah. again. Kev, I don't know if they've clinched the division, man. Yep, already. There's four games left. Yeah, they have a
1: Y on it. Before they challenge had an it. X, this, y, this time they had a Y. They've already clinched their division.
0: I'm not seeing any of that. Well, all right, I'm challenge gonna ch- I'll challenge it. So the Rough Riders have six wins, and there's four games left, which means that they could win a total of ten. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have 10. So if they were to lose the rest of their games, then they're tied.
1: Uh, I I mean, they've
0: definitely clinched a playoff spot. They
1: they did clinch the division. I'm telling you, I saw why. You can go on uh, the TSN app or the TSN.
0: I'm looking at the score right now, and they're not saying that. Go on TSNs. Well, this is on Pete because he's, he's got a.
1: If you go onto the TSN website in regards to the CFL and you go to your standings, you'll see a Y beside the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And a Y just says division.
0: But I don't think they, they can't. They, I mean, they can finish for tied for first.
1: Yeah.
2: So I found it already. They must own the tiebreaker because uh, uh, the Blue Bombers clinched the first in CFL's West Division after clobbering the Lions.
0: Fuck's sakes shouldn't have fucking challenged. I should have left my plus one. I'm happy with that.
1: Thanks, Yoshi. No
0: problem, man. I love to give. Uh,
1: I sometimes like to receive. Oh, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into our Zuzu championship. Now, Josh can say this guy's name quicker than I probably could. Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, One with a minus 15. Uh, Brandon um, Steeley, um, I was a minus 10. Cameron um, Trangle was minus 10. And I believe a Canadian boy, Mackenzie Hughes, minus six. Now we got some boxing. I only looked this up because uh, I was on the interwebs at work and I just noticed this kid and I just blew my mind when I found out that uh, his grandfather was Muhammad Ali. Nico Ali Walsh, as I said, the grandson of the great Muhammad Ali, made his boxing debut on August 14th of this year with a TKO against Jordan Weeks. And uh, his second bout he then took on, James Wesley II, on October 23rd, um, again this year, with another TKO. Nico looks like he has a lot of his granddad in him. I'm not kidding, guys. This guy can float like a butterfly and definitely sting like some bees. He has lightning-like jabs and most definitely moves like his granddad as well. Nico Ali Walsh Walsh had approximately 30 bouts as an amateur before his boxing debut. He's quick. I mean, he actually wore his granddad's um, trunks on one of the – Bouts because he didn't have his in yet, and just destroyed this guy. I believe a white flag came flying out because they said, "Stop it! This guy's just can't continue on." Amazing! If you haven't saw any highlights of him, definitely look him up. He's one uh, one of the up and coming, I think, in the boxing. Do you know what weight class he's in I I tried to find that. I couldn't seem to find his weight class at all. I just know he's just. I just didn't seem to find it. Just only looking up his stats. And I was just on Wikipedia. Hey, don't tell everybody our secrets, man. My bad. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Now going into some other kind of fights, the MMA, uh, which is the UFC that we're talking about here. Marvin Vittori is 18-4-1, handed Paulo Costa, 13 and 2, his second consecutive default or a defeat, scoring an unanimous decision victory in a light heavyweight matchup at the UFC fight night inside the Apex. All three judges scored that bout 48 46 for Marvin. Now, going on to some can- Canadian uh, fighter here, Canadian strawweight, Rhonda. Quiet storm. Quiet storm. I'm going to throw in some little, you know, their little names that they have for them. I guess Marcos snapped a four fight losing streak Saturday with the anonymous decision over the Brazilian gangster Souza on the UFC fight night card. Good for you, you Canadians, for the Canadians' names and the others because they're.
0: Somewhat harder to uh, pronounce. So, Kev, good job, Randa. <laughs> Randa. So, Kev uh, Ali was a, is a middleweight fighter. Nice. Yeah, not that it matters. I was just curious. Yeah. So, actually, Kev, Kev, before you move into the next uh, segment here, or ho- hopefully you're done with the MMA, I just wanted to talk about some soccer for a quick second, sure if can. I may. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, let me just find the information here because I'm a little bit lost on my cellular phone. Here it is. So the Canada, Canada's men's national team cracks the top 50 in FIFA rankings for the first time since 1996. They are now ranked number 48 as of October 21st. And uh, Canada has risen 62 spots over the last five years. And they started 2021 at number 72. And again, they're at 48 now. So they are rising quickly. And uh, this is good to see. So October 21st, 20- 16, they were ranked 110. October 2017, they were ranked 96. 2018, ranked 76, 2019, ranked 69th. 2020, they are ranked 72nd. And they're, like I said before, currently they are ranked number 48 in the FIFA rankings. And uh that's that's huge. That is huge. Anyway, I just wanted to throw, throw that in there because I saw that and I thought that was uh definitely uh news worthy. Well, I appreciate
1: that, Josh. It is definitely newsworthy, and that is amazing for our Canadian club.
0: Fuck yeah. <laughs>
1: so I guess we're gonna start sliding into our boxes here, guys. I'm gonna sit there and put uh, ooh, Larry Wayne Jones Jr. in my Who? box. Larry Wayne Jones Jr. Who the fuck is that? That's chipper yeah, I never Jones. heard
0: of this person. That's chipper! Chipper! Jones. chipper! Yeah,
1: I'm going to put him in my box. He was a third baseman in the MLB, won a World Series in 95, an eight-time All-Star, won the NL MVP in 99. Now, on October the 11th, when Atlanta was playing Milwaukee, a foul ball went in the direction of Jipper Jones. Jones got up to catch. Catch it now, Peter, not grab. He was about to catch it. You know, it's better to catch it than to pick it up off the ground. Yeah, no. and, say, and say you caught it. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> so Jones is under the ball, like a ball player that he was. And it looks like he took his eye off the ball because he dropped it. No, he didn't look like he knew that he dropped it, but obviously he did. You can see the fans as well as some of the Atlantis ball club chirping him. I mean, I would be fucking chirping him, too, if I was in the stands. I mean, dude, (laughs) you caught these fucking balls for a living. Any one of us could have caught this ball. For that, Larry Wayne Jones Jr., you're in my box. Pedro, who do you got in your box today?
2: Yeah, Kevin. my box this week is Matthew Kachuk. So the game last week... He prevented a puck from going over the glass. It was uh, fired there above Calgary's bench uh, by one of his teammates on the ice, which is obviously a penalty for delay of game, for shooting the puck over the glass. And so he decided he would prevent that from happening by uh, standing up on the bench and stopping it with the, with the stick up in the air, preventing it from going over the glass. No penalty, Right. You would think. (laughs) Wrong. You can't do that. That's interference with the play. That's a penalty on Kachuk instead of a penalty on whoever it might have been that shot the puck over the glass. Or at least was going over the glass. Mm -hmm. So, good effort, Matt Kachuk, but can't do that. You're in the box. Literally in the box. (laughs) For two minutes. (laughs) But good effort. Josh, who's in your box?
0: Okay, I've got sporting KC goalkeeper, Tim Melia. So on about the 54th minute, a ball is sent into the box where Christian Roldan is effectively boxing out Tim Melia, who's still able to get a hand to the ball, and Graham Zussi clears out the ball. Melia then grabs Roldan by the shoulder and body slams him into the net. Roald and is showing her yellow card because he shoved Melia. And of course that's what the ref sees, but Melia is eventually showing a yellow card after the play was reviewed. So Timelia, this is the MLS, not the UFC, not the WWE. You cannot body slam someone into the net. And that's why you're in my box this week if you guys haven't seen this watch he grabs him, picks him up and legit slams them to the ground it's like, what are you doing <laughs> give your fucking head a i'm shake.
2: surprised he only got a yellow
0: that's what i can't believe like i mean it's not as malicious as you know taking somebody's ankles out or kicking them or whatever but like, he still picks his ass up and tosses him right to the ground. Did he, did he pick him up like the rock? No, Toss no, no. And just like stole, you know. No. no, so they were kind of like... It's like from behind almost, right? So, he picks him up and just kind of picks him up and throws him down. And it's just... I just can't believe it. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is soccer we're talking about. This is these are players that fall over because the grass monster got them and they fucking (laughs) scream and yell in pain. And then they get a little bit of ice spray and then magically they're good to go. Yeah.
1: I love that spray. Where, where does that, where do you get that spray? I don't know.
0: I want want to
1: find that. I fucking definitely could use it.
0: But for you to throw somebody on the ground is pretty intense in a, in a soccer match. And uh, I thought this was pretty funny when I saw it. So so Amelia, you're in my box because man, says in the WWE bro. <laughs> All right guys. We finally got some challenges in. We uh, you know last week we shit the bed by not having any. Pete, why don't you go through the scores for us?
2: Yeah, so uh, like you said, three challenges today. There's uh, Carter's cousins, which Josh picked up a point off of uh, Kev. There's Hutchin Carolina which I picked up a point off of Kev's. And then there's the Blue Bombers being division champs, where Kev got a point back off of Josh. Fuck. So, that brings today's totals to a plus one for Peter, a minus one for Kev, and dead even for Josh. Which on the season brings us to plus five for Peter, minus 18 for Kev. Jesse stays at plus
0: 13. What a loser.
2: And Josh stays at minus nine.
0: Sorry, Josh. Hey, it's all good, brother. It's all good. Sorry that you had to lose to Pete.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I just I <laughs> just needed to get one back.
2: Yeah. Better me hey. than Jesse, I always say. <laughs> so it's uh
0: it's been it's been confirmed. Uh, I've asked my better half, and we are allowed to play poker. Uh, November twentieth, so yeah. we are in for a game. Uh, I've already got confirmation from uh, Graham; he is interested in playing for some PNP points. Uh, hopefully, you boys are as well. Damn right. And uh, and uh, well, of we all course. know we all know Deline loves to lose money at poker, and uh, he might as well lose some PNP points too. So um, I'm sure he'll be in. And, uh, and every his- buy in, every buy in, should get like, you know an extra minus. <laughs> we'll have to figure something out because we typically play cash games. So, But if you're uh, buying back in
1: because you lost out because you're stupid and going all in on stupid cards, then you're stupid enough to get more minuses is my mind. I mean, that's what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll definitely have to go over some, uh, some rules and, uh, and some guidelines here for that. But uh, that will likely be the last uh, big event for, uh, for P&P points. For the season other than uh, the rest of our episodes which we have what do we got about eight or nine episodes left uh till the end of our first season which uh, yeah. i'm happy to announce that we are coming close to the end of the season one and uh i'm excited to keep rolling on to season two i don't know about you guys but i know oh, yeah. we're still still two months away but i'm looking forward to it and looking to uh see what kind of changes we can make to the show to uh, to make it better so if any of our listeners are out there, uh, they want to throw in their two cents. Uh, Clint, one of, our, one of our loyal listeners, Clint, he threw out the MVP segment to us. We, we loved it. We threw it in there and we think it's been a hit. Uh, so hopefully uh, we get some more uh, suggestions like that and uh, we'll move on and uh, try and make this show better. So if you got any suggestions, let us know. Give us a shout and uh, we'll go from there. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. We've got one last thing to do. You guys got to tell me how your drink was. Kev, start us up.
1: Well, my uh, Cameron's hazy IPA or hazy IPA. Hazy? Totally Holy big fuck! Big how big many, big big many have you had now? Too many. <laughs> so the Cameron's hazy, hazy. Fuck! I did it again. The Jesus. hazy IPA, strong beer at a six point three. Uh, I I dig it.
0: I mean, it was good. It's only taken 39 fucking episodes, but we're finally getting Kev on these IPAs. Yeah, man, because this one was cruising
1: <laughs> cruising through the galaxy is what I was doing on this one. And trust me, man, I definitely was. Oh, look at you. This thing was definitely a decent. I mean, like I said, you guys, I'm on an IPA kick on the episodes only because I'm not drinking this on a regular. I'm sorry. I just can't. Pedro, <laughs> how was your beverage?
2: Yeah, Thanks, Kev. The Innocent Gun, uh... Lager beers, nice, easy drinking lager. Uh, it didn't quite fit into my Yeti Colster. It's actually 500 milliliters, not the standard 473 for a tall boy, but that's okay. Still kept it cold enough, just couldn't get the lid on. But
0: uh, yeah, it's pretty good, nice, easy drinking lager. From Scotland. Josh, was yours? Uh, mine's not from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> But it is here from Ontario, it's Lake of Bays Brewing. Fuck, I think it's Ontario. Don't challenge me. Yep, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lake of Bays Brewing, this is the Don't Look Down Double IPA with elderberry. It's a uh, it's a nice strong beer. Eight percent takes the alcohol content victory for the day. Woo. And uh, yeah, I like it. It's uh it's it's hoppy. It's uh it's got some wheat. It's got some oats and uh it's got some elderberry and like i said before my first uh first drink was damn but uh after the second beer i'm still like damn but it's a different damn it's like damn this is good (laughs) yeah so i enjoyed it thanks like a base and uh i'm gonna try this one again even if it is just because of the eight percent huh huh that's how we do around here Bring
2: it back to back heaters. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get my 11% now. God
0: dang it. Oh, I'll give you guys a little hint. You beef it up for next week. Cause I don't have a strong one for next week, but I have a, uh, I have one that suits the suits the time. Let's put it that way.
1: I'll beef it up next week.
0: Okay. So for Peter, for Kevin, for me, We'd like to thank you all for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay Stay out out of the the penalty penalty box. box.